All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the first episode of Tell the Truth. We got my man CG, CJ. You got DG. Yeah. I want to introduce themselves first. I'm D Mac. D Mac Wakefield. You guys have seen me on here on Kingdom Cast, but this is our our new show that we're all going to host every single week. Um, we obviously got a beat down here to recap, but first of all, both of you fine gentlemen, introduce yourself. CJ, start it off, man. My name is CJ at CGZ81, co-host of the Aftermath. Y'all know me, I'm always in spaces with DMAC and DG. We bring in this new show to y'all. Super, super excited to break down a lot of things, hold everyone accountable. That's the goal here. So, DG, tell them how it is. Yes, sir. Uh, as y'all know, I'm DG. Uh, DJ DG on Twitter at Keep It Prolific. Uh, I do a lot of music spaces on there from time to time, Chiefs High Spaces um, in Tipville, if you know me from there. Um, and just always in the Chiefs community, talking, ball, just trying to absorb as much knowledge as I can. So, you know, just glad to be here, glad to be ready, and glad to kick this thing off, man. Yep. Like CJ said, we're here to hold some people accountable. Give it to you guys straight, sir. Appreciate you guys for joining me. Uh, on this new show, man. Uh, so yeah, let's let's kick it off. So of course, everybody knows we started off here um, with a blowout, um, a game that was more intriguing for who was in the stands than what was actually happening on the field. <laughs> yes, the, we have a bunch of new uh, people hopping on the bandwagon, to say the least, uh, here trying to learn about football, and that's that's always funny. Uh, but yes, friendship bracelets. <laughs> look the team that listens to taylor swift stays together and wins together so you know how it goes uh but yeah uh so a beat down to say the least against the chicago bears a team that was reeling uh to say the least trying to come into this week and uh showed it on the field as the chiefs dominated on defense got off to a fast start and were able to cruise pretty much in the second half and, and able to sit down mahomes uh, for a few drives there in the fourth quarter, even in the third quarter, um, because of just how bad the beatdown was. Um, so because of how great this defense has been to start, I feel like we should start on that side of the field. Um, and obviously, this is with the caveat. This is a team in Chicago Bears that has serious issues with its play calling, has serious issues with its offensive line, and has serious issues at this current moment in time with this quarterback as well. So I want to start off for you guys. What were your big takeaways? Just anything you guys really wanted to highlight to start off. CJ, you can start off, and then we'll go to DG. I mean, overall, like you said, the, the Chicago Bears are low-key a dumpster fire right now. Definitely didn't expect it to go this bad. I knew they would struggle because it was a big transition from being a team that literally had the number one pick. They just traded it away, so they were a bad football team expected. But I didn't expect their offense to look this putrid just because of the fact their run game was so prolific towards the end of the year before. And they added athletes to that team, being DJ Moore, and added more athletes to that offensive line with Darnell Wright. So for them to be that bad, that was definitely shocking. But overall, um, the offense handled business. The defense has been obviously the talking point of our team the whole year. They've been playing outstanding from game one through three. Um, definitely no more we could ask than we've expanded our defense. We've had the last, what, five years in the Mahomes era. For us to start off this hot, this is definitely the best start we could have asked for. So overall, we've been dominating both sides of the ball perfect by no means we definitely have a lot of room for improvement but overall we've been playing some really really good football to say the least for sure yeah uh, i think the the bears weren't the most you know formidable opponent or whatever but <laughs> at the same time you can only play who's in front of you um i love what the defense is doing right now i think they're playing with a lot of continuity um you can kind of tell that they're they're playing more for each other at this point in time uh, i think that they're playing good as a group 
Um, and I just like that there's, there seems to be like no egos with this, that side of the ball right now. Nobody's trying to stat pad, um, pad stats or anything like that at this point in time. Everybody's flying to the ball, playing aggressively. And I love the physicality uh, that they're playing with right now, uh, especially in the run game. You got guys like <clears throat> McDuffie and uh, Jalen Watson and, and all our corners, Josh Williams coming up and making plays in the run game. And uh, even going to Justin Reed now, making plays on the ball. Uh, which I'm very proud to see whatever. Hopefully he continues that. So I love what I see from the defense right now. Hopefully they continue. Yeah, absolutely. And look, at it was just uh, another notch in their belt. Um, I think we've, we've seen in years past in which they, we've allowed teams that not only just hang around in certain games, but also specifically bad offenses uh, find a way to move the ball up and down the field on us um, when they really have no business doing that. Um, and so coming into this game, I wanted to see them absolutely dominate. And they did. I mean, they were held, you know, without a point there pretty much the entirety of the time in which the starting offense was playing. And it took Blaine Gabbert's, unfortunately, first interception there um, to create a short field for them to even get the three points to start out. And then we got the, the garbage time touchdown to DJ Moore later on. So um, the defense came out, did its job first and foremost, and they handled a bad opponent how they should have. And I think that's the biggest takeaway because there's not a lot you can necessarily learn. Um, I think this was a game that was about a, a bad Bears team, but Chiefs did what they were supposed to do, which was take them by the woodshed um, and take them out back. So that being said, let's get into more specific things. So I, I think that it's fair to start out with these two guys here, Trent McDuffie and George Kaloftis. These are both the first round draft picks from the 2022 NFL draft. Something that Brett Veach is a draft uh, that everybody lauds him for because of how much talent he was able to bring into this championship winning team last year. Now going into their sophomore year, growing and more. Headlined by these two guys that, first of all, this guy in George Karloftis is under the radar. Just top 10 in pressures in the league because he has absolutely come out and shown the work that he's done with Tom Bali. has showed up big time. It's been a huge boon. And he looks to be a little bit quicker, a little bit faster, a little bit more athletic. Maybe a little bit of Bobby Stroop uh, workouts in there, improving his flexibility. And Trip McDuffie as well. We'll talk about him in a second. But from you guys' perspective, what have you guys seen from George Kalafta that's really impressed you as the season has started and continued, uh, obviously, on Sunday? I don't know if y'all noticed it, but George is faster. I don't think his weight is down. Like, I don't like to think from an overall standpoint, but I could just tell, like, his burst and getting off blocks and getting to the ball, he's just so much more explosive this year. And usually they say, like, as a player gets older, you usually get stronger, not necessarily faster. But I could just tell George is just way faster off the ball. And it also may be a thing of mentally just knowing what to do, being more confident, working with Tom. But like, like D-Max said, he just knows what to do, and he's just giving to the ball at a different rate right now. And obviously when you have other guys around you who are holding yourself up to that standard and things he's learned from, you know, Frank Clark, Carlos Dunlap, and Chris Jones himself, I think guys, like DG said, they're playing for each other, and then you think guys are holding each other to a certain standard, and guys are playing up to the and Loki exceeding that standard, honestly. So when you, we got, got guys in the room like Mike Dana, obviously Chris, and we know other guys like Tertron Warden, and obviously Felix is coming in making plays. Everybody wants to get a piece of the pie. Everybody wants to be the first one to the ball, essentially, like DG said. And that standard is definitely holding true to the D-line group. And George is playing some amazing ball right now. I think he's total 16 pressures right now, which is top five like D-back in the league. So to only have this early of a start, and we're not even at full strength yet in this D-line room, it's going to get real, real scary for those guys coming soon. But so far, so really good. George has played a hell of a year so far. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's shown a lot of, of maturity in his uh, his rush technique, but you can see the 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 training with Tamba has really worked out well for him. Uh, I, I want to actually go to a play that that I think that he made that was very significant in this game. Um, 
I think it was on Chris Jones' sack. Uh, he kind of started with an inside move, and then as as the tackle adjusted to his inside move, he adjusted back outside, kept his contain, and it allowed Chris to come up and get the sack and finish the job. So I, I think he's rushing more with a purpose this year. Uh, you can clearly tell he's he's worked on a plethora of moves in the offseason that's really going to help him. And I, and I think, like CJ said, he's gotten a lot faster off the ball. So I, I think the sky's the limit for George Karloftis. Um, I think him and, and FAU will be a good tandem for the future. And I just hope he continues to grow and continues to keep being what he is right now. So, Yeah, for sure. And, and look, George, the thing about it is, is you talk about on that play where he is rushing a little bit outside, then he gets inside to force and take away that B gap from Justin Fields' escape and then spins back outside to make sure that Justin can't get out the escape hatch and that forces him back inside to CJ again for to clean up that sack. It's it's uh the thing about me is is the awareness that he continues to rush with as well. It's one thing to obviously see the power, the ability that now he's added some counter moves and the fact that he's a little bit quicker, but he's using that agility really to get in and out of gaps effectively. Um, and that ability to do that and then also have the awareness to do it on time to be able to keep quarterbacks within the pocket and pressure on them as well uh, has been really key. I mean, that, that's something that I think we've seen our, our defenses struggle in the past with as far as quarterbacks that can really get outside of the pocket and create plays. The fact that you have guys like him, like Mike Dana, that are now being those complimentary pass rushers to make sure that those escape hatches don't exist um, and really doing it effectively at a high level has really shown up and really shown out to start off this year. And it all starts with the trenches and this defensive line crew certainly uh, has stepped up. And so now for everybody's, you know, star, Mr. Trip McDuffie here, first round pick, obviously a guy we traded in front of the Buffalo Bills to go up and secure a guy that the Chiefs did not uh -huh. see. <laughs> a guy that the Chiefs did not think was going to fall to them, but Red Beach made sure that they, they jumped on that opportunity. Thank God he did. Because we saw how crucial he was last year, certainly throughout the back after the schedule into the playoffs. And we thought that he was obviously in line for a huge breakout. And we've seen it to this point. Um, he's the highest rated corner on P PFF as far as grades are concerned. He is allowing such a low uh, passer rating. I think it's 5.8 yards per catch at this current moment in time. His success rate is around 63%, which is insane for corners as far as one-on-one -on -one opportunities. It's a it's a great start for Trip McDuffie to say the least, and it shows up on tape certainly. So CJ, well, we'll have DG start off for this one. What have you seen from Trip McDuffie in his second season um, as the first round pick from last year? Man, all all pro potential. I think the the sky's the limit for him, and I, I honestly think Trent's probably going to be a, a top five corner in this league someday. That that kid is a star. Um, the main thing that I I would love to see more for him is to get uh, his hands on the ball a little bit more, um, get some picks it would be nice. I know that would add to, to that all-pro um, status. But um, just just staying consistent, man. Uh, he's, he's got sticky coverage. Um, he's, man, he's like a magnet. And every time I, I see them try to either throw a go route on the sideline or something like that, like he's strap city, man. So I'm 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 thrilled with with, with his potential and where he's going. I think that uh, that man, all pro dog. Like that's all I can say. Like all pro. I feel you on that. Go ahead, CJ. I completely agree with DG. He's doing everything right. And DG, to your point, he technically is getting turnover because he's forced two fumbles. This yeah, year. yeah. It may not be picks. I, I just want the picks, you know. So, the, the so, so, little by little, baby steps. I like you know, the flashy steps. 
Yeah. I want to I want to see him get the turnovers too and get the picks because you know that's what separates good DBs from great DBs is getting their hands on the ball when it's in the air. So and like D Max said, he's doing a great job of not allowing catches. And he's always been a great DB at staying in phase. He does a great job of not really falling for double moves or anything. So and he, it's great to have two DBs you can actually trust to play inside and out. Having him and Sneed is such a great combo. We haven't had two corners like that in a long time. So to have a guy like Trent, and actually I made a joke of it on our other show, I think Trent is low-key our fourth best tackler on our team because he had five tackles in the Chicago game. And usually your DBs are your weakest, weakest link when it comes to tackling. And after like Nick, Drew, and Sneed, Trent may be right there at four because I rarely see him miss tackles anytime they break outside and try to get to him. So for a kid that be this young and to have such a complete game, because most DBs don't like to tackle, I mean, that's not your job. Your job is to be a cover corner, not necessarily to hit. So a guy to be that confident that we know we can put him on any receiver, anywhere on the field, and we know he's going to do his job. A kid that can also go out there and get his head dirty and make a play on the ball. And like DG said, get a turnover. He's checking all the boxes, what you want in a corner to, to be that all-pro status. So, so far, so good for Trent. Obviously, I want to see him keep it going and keep stacking good days. But so far, he's been putting in the work in the offseason, and it's coming true so far. Yeah, and, and with Trent's, the, the instincts that are spectacular, they're well, you know, beyond his years. Um, it, last last week, and this also kind of applies to the Lions game as well, because of how well the defensive line was playing, the Jaguars kind of shifted their offense to try and go, okay, we need wide receiver screens on a consistent basis just to try and get the ball out of Trevor's hands. And that tests your corner's ability to be physical, work through tackle or through blockers and be able to tackle the wide receivers. And that's exactly what they were doing, getting in there on the outside. And that's what Trent was able to do consistently throughout the day. Um, and also you saw in the red zone where his coverage skills really showed up. There are many times in which Spags was leaving, you know, a little bit of, of help to Williams or help to Watson help a little bit to Snead on a one-on-one -on -one situation with Trent, usually to somebody in the slide, either Kirker or Zay Jones. And he was able to do that at a high level because of his fluid, you know, fluid hips, ability to have really good coverage skills. And that's a, a, a matchup thing that you love to have the chest speech to be able to do to really erase a wide receiver on a play with one-on-one -on -one and then give help to your corners elsewhere as you may need or send extra guys as we know Spags loves to do. So the instincts from Trent McDuffie, even on plays in which maybe he gives up a few yards, I like the DJ Moore play where you end up coming from behind and stripping them. It's 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 a, a knack for the ball. It's a, an amazing aspect of his game and his physicality for a small corner is great to see. So, like you said, DG, all, all pro potential is certainly within the cards. And God, he's he's just so fun to watch play. It's it's so fun to watch it play. And honestly, it's extremely fun to watch the entire defense play. Uh, so, on that note, I I will also say that while uh, I was away, I haven't been on Kingdom Cast in a second here. I made a tweet basically saying that uh, Justin Reed is the weak link of the defense, and I got some pushback for it, and I, I understandably kind of knew what I was doing when I was saying that. The reason being was because it's a compliment to how amazing the rest of this defense is playing at this current moment in time, whether it's the corners, whether it's the linebacking crew, who I say is the deep, deepest linebacking crew in the league. I won't say the best room, but it's right up there. The defensive line obviously have played extremely well, and with Chris Jones back, they have their offer level pass rusher before they even get their second best pass rusher back. We saw obviously on Sunday, uh, Justin Reed got the tip, was able to get intercepted by Mike Edwards, which is why he's brought in to take the ball away. Um, I still think that the safety room is the weak link of this team, but I do not think that it is a weakness. It is something simply that we just need to give a little bit of help to. But fortunately, the other pieces around this defense have been very well. So for you guys, how have you guys felt about the safety play headlined, obviously, by Justin Reed and Brian Cook um, as the starters and, and Mike Edwards and Shamari Connor kind of work in there? You got it easy. I think they, they've been serviceable. Um, they, they're doing their job. I think Brian Cook is obviously the best player in that position group at this point in time. But um, 
I, for me, the only thing I, I would want to see is, is, like I said, Justin Reed getting his hands on the ball a little bit more, maybe making some more plays. I just felt like last year he he was kind of still trying to learn this defense or whatever. And you can t- kind of see this year he's getting a lot more comfortable or whatever. So maybe it, by the end of the year we start seeing more um, – more plays from him being made on the ball or whatever. Um, but I, I still love what they're doing out there. Um, I think that they're, they're obviously being, bringing the physicality as well to uh, Brian Cook to me is, is phenomenal. Like I, I think that was a steal that everybody slipped on <laughs> or whatever. So uh, I think he's also got pro bowl all pro potential as well too. And he's, he's growing every day. Or whatever, and definitely becoming a leader in that that uh that position group as well too. So I'm very proud of them. But but I like you said, D-Man, I think they've been they're the weakest link of, of this of this defense. But at the same time, they've been serviceable and they've been able to do their jobs. No, absolutely, I agree. I think as far as for ranking the groups of the defense, uh, for me, I would the way they're playing right now, I'll put the linebackers at one. I think we all would agree with that. Two is probably a tie between DBs and D-line, but if we're just picking groups, I'll say D-line two, corners three, and then safeties four, if you had to, like, divide them up. So the, the safety group is playing the worst out of the group, but, like, to D-back and DG's point, they're not playing bad football compared to what we had a year ago. It's an upgrade to that point. And Mike Evers is a veteran, and he was in the right spot and got his hand on the ball. And we got to give Justin Reed his flowers. He made a play and put his hand in tips. When you get tip balls, you want to catch him and make a play on it. So um, overall, the safety group could be better, and they have time to, to improve, and you definitely get more chemistry to get used to the system. But Brian Cook definitely taking a step that we all wanted to see. Definitely wanted to see him be a leader, be more confident in his play, and like setting the tone for the other guys around the group. And Shamari Connor has gotten his opportunities as well to come in and rotate. And definitely it's a deeper group than last year, more athletic in my opinion, but obviously there's a lot more room to grow. But when you have such a standard on that defense, like Willie said, they're aiming to be the best defense in the NFL. You have no choice but to play better. And I think nobody's probably holding themselves more accountable than those guys, and especially Spags. But they definitely need to be improving in certain areas. But overall, Justin Reed's always flying around to the ball. He may not necessarily always make the tackle. I'm not going to sit there and lie. He needs to improve in certain areas. But um, definitely guys are always around the ball making plays. And definitely uh, they're in the right positions. We just need to necessarily get there a little quicker. You know, lining up and knowing your assignment and reading your keys is the biggest thing about playing DB, especially safety being in the middle of the field. That's the first read for any quarterback when knowing where the safeties are at. So um, definitely want to see guys, you know, disguise up some things and kind of confuse the quarterback so they can kind of set the tone and push the tempo on their side, but um, so far so good. I definitely want to see him improve. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, shout out to my guy, Brian Cook, who did transfer uh, to Cincinnati from my alma mater, Howard University. Shout out to him. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Brian Cook, I think, is, is a guy that brings a certain level of physicality to the defense. And, and this is where I, I kind of land on the safeties. Like you said, DG, it's serviceable. They're doing their job. I think that when you're asking them to do the right things, then they're fine. Justin Reed, again, is a guy that I don't want to leave him man coverage often because I think that he gets beat a little bit too much. But asking these guys to play certain split zones looks, asking these guys to rotate down into certain rival coverage looks, asking these guys to blitz a quarterback occasionally is fine to me. And ultimately, the thing that I do like is that there was an aspect of this team that really lacked a physicality to it. And I think it's a good thing that now we have brought that into the defense a little bit more. They play with an edge. They play with, you know, speed. They want to surround the ball, and they are opportunistic, and that's something that's really encouraged me as this season has started. Um, so from that standpoint, I'm certainly happy about that. Um, so, you know, defense playing well, that's great. The question mark for through the first two games of the season was more so on the offensive side of the ball. 
this week against a bad Bears team. They certainly took advantage, and you certainly will get to this question also from Mo. Appreciate you. We'll talk about Ross for sure here in a second. Um, Yes, offense had a great day. You guys, big takeaways from the offensive performance, putting up 40-plus points against a bad Bears team. How do you guys feel about it? Go ahead, CJ. I mean, overall, we knew this was a get-right week for our offense. We know they needed to go in there and clean up a lot of their mistakes. And we wanted to start the game the way we ended last week versus Jacksonville when running the football, and I think we did a better job of that this week. Definitely getting um, Pacheco going on some little power gap schemes. It was definitely good to see guys get some momentum. Uh, we want to see those jet packages on third down, especially in the red zone. You know, that's a specialty. So, And it's actually funny. I wish we could show the clip, but the play that – both plays that Jet McKinnon scored on were literally the exact formation. They just flipped it. It was the mm-hmm. it's like an empty set, Jets in the uh, wing position. I think they have Rashid to his outside, and they motion sky across. First time, they just shoveled it to Jet. And second time, they just sneaked Jet into the flat. So it's almost like the corn dog that just did the exact same play and flipped it. So – um, it was definitely good to see Andy and Nagy find something that they like in the defense and go back to it. But um, overall, I think the offense definitely – they definitely got – they asserted themselves and, you know, kind of got that confidence back. And you can see guys were a little annoyed when they were, like, having to answer questions, like, why is the offense struggling? And it's the early part of the season, you know, the first four or five weeks is when you start getting your mojo going. But usually with an offense like ours, they expect us to hit the ground running and guys that have, like, no no hiccups, no mistakes. But, um, you know, try to miss game one, and it wasn't the prettiest. We had a lot of drops, and we kind of cleaned that up game two. Still missing some little things here and there. One play that I noticed, Rasheed Rice is running his big, and he noticed he needs to throttle down because there's a safety coming towards him. But he just throttled down a little too slow, and then Pat still overthrows him like a hair. But those are like little things they are getting better at every week, and they're getting more toward that chemistry and everything being on time and on target. So, But overall, I think the offense did a good enough job. And like to D-Max said, you can't take too much from it because it is the Bears. But at the end of the day, you want to prove yourself and show your assertiveness. And I think they did that last week. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they. I feel like they definitely showed that they they found a rhythm, and especially in that game. Um, I think f- for the most part for the for the season, silly penalties have kind of killed us uh, in certain situations. Uh, although some of them out of our control, Jawan Taylor. <laughs> um, but you know, some certain sin, uh, silly penalties have killed some drives or whatever. Which those to me are all fix- fixable mistakes or whatever. Um, I think that uh, this week we saw a lot better uh, chemistry with the receivers, with Mahomes uh, being able to, to hit some guys. Rasheed Rice got, got going. Sky Moore seemed like he, he's starting to get a little bit more comfortable in this offense. And then they finally just decided to run the damn ball, um, which we know, and Pat has said it in his pressers all the time, when, we, when they run the ball, um, they're a good team. And they they actually they have a lot more flow when they run the ball. So if they continue to do that, I think they'll be fine. I I didn't have a real worry about the offense. I knew eventually they would come around. They've been one of the better offenses in this league for for the for a long time since Mahomes has been here. So I knew they would finally figure it out or whatever. And so hopefully, as the season goes on, they continue that. Yeah, man. And look, you guys said it. It's ultimately a, a bad team that you're playing against, but I think the the great thing that you want to see, and we'll get into some of the you know Juan Taylor at all, is this team looked like it was in rhythm and attacking or the ways in which it should have. Um, I think that everybody can agree. Everybody was fairly encouraged by the ways in which they attacked in the run game, which is very nice to see. I mean, look, I, we wanted to see that badly, honestly. Um, and the fact that we got a, a preview of that was really nice. Um, the ways in which they were able to continue to pass the ball and move the ball down the field. The offensive line did its job. <laughs> What's up, Magic Man? 
And, and that's really the important thing. The offense was operating on time. Um, and ultimately, otherwise, that would be concerning um, if they weren't against this bad of a team. Um, so, yeah, we can get into a little bit more of the specifics as well. Um, so we'll start out here. Um, I think that one of the early season performers in this rivalry room that does deserve to be highlighted, rookie SM, out of SMU, Mr. Rasheed Rice, second round pick. You saw him get a lot of work uh, throughout this game, not just in garbage time, but also at the beginning. He was able to sit down in the middle of some routes. He did have the drop early and, of course, the one later on with Blaine Gabbard. But when he was able to get the ball in his hands, he immediately turned upfield, really got some extra yards after the catch and showed some dynamicism that I think some people might have missed on his 2022 tape um, due to some of his injury issues as well as some youth. So your thoughts on Rasheed Rice, uh, CJ, as we, as we started out this season? You can definitely tell he's had a lot of work with this offense before the draft. It's definitely good to see a rookie come in and actually – not to say like support, but actually contribute to the offense. But we know rookie receivers and Andy Reid not necessarily have the best relationship. So to see that work that he put in with Shane in the, in the preseason work and definitely have that Texas kind of workout that Pat had with all the receivers, you can tell it's kind of paying off because he came into camp a little more confident and we kind of see it in one-on-ones and when they were doing their 11-on-11 work where she was getting open very easily and very quickly, which is good to see. And also the pre post-injury that he had last year to D-Max Point. So it's good to see Rasheed get involved in the offense. They kind of have him playing a lot more slot. In my opinion, I think that's kind of easier for him because you don't have to necessarily learn all three spots, you know, X, Z, and whatever they call the A for the third receiver spot. So to see him come in there and contribute to this offense as a rookie receiver is definitely great to see. Um, I think that's also good for the for the younger guys because I know we always haven't necessarily had high expectations for our rookies. But to have guys like Sky in his second year and Rasheed in his first year to, like, look, if they can contribute on a consistent basis – Whenever we do decide to move on from guys like MBS, whenever we decide to move on from guys like, albeit Travis Kelsey, we have guys we know are proving themselves to be consistent players for us. And it's only the beginning. It's only game three. So I don't want to speak too soon. But so far, so good for those two. Because those are the two guys that I expect to carry this offense for years to come. And I think those guys are proving so far so good. Yeah, I, th I think Rasheed has definitely uh, gained some confidence with Andy, um, especially early on in this year. Um I think that he's uh, he's come in and, and really shown that he can understand zone and where to sit at, at points and times. The only, um, I guess, pushback that I would have for him was just I would love to see him have more anticipation, be more coherent of anticipating the ball coming his way, um, especially coming out of Pat's hands. You can clearly tell Pat wants to get him the ball because um, he's, he's just that dynamic. I also would like to see him fight more to get into the end zone uh, <laughs> so close. So close. Going, like, yeah, he could have had two TDs. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think Rasheed is doing great. Um, I, I know the growth is, is going to continue as, as the season it goes on. And the more confidence that he gains, the more confidence Andy them gains in him, uh, will, will be very ben beneficial for this team. So I love what she is on right now. So, yeah, absolutely. And look, I, I think that. You talk about a rookie guy coming in, trying to contribute, obviously a difficult proposition, but for him, and, and I thought the opportunity was going to be here specifically for him after we saw the first two weeks, he, he played a little bit with the first team. They seemed to feel kind of comfortable with the ways in which he did. And maybe that pre-draft workout obviously helped out a little bit to start out with him down in Texas with Mahomes. Um, but 
the fact that he's hit the ground running in the ways that he has, I think is very good. And, and something I saw when his when I was watching his college tape was he was very good at sitting down in zones when he was in college. He understood a little bit about the defensive leverage more so than we saw with some of the guys that were better at going one-on-one versus man. And that's important because teams are going to play zone against us because Travis Kelsey is so difficult to guard one-on-one. And we know Mahomes absolutely kills man-to-man, especially with his ability to scramble. So the fact that now we have an answer really to zone on a consistent basis with Rasheed Rice underneath doing a lot of stuff that really made Juju uh, productive here last year, I think is important. And the fact that he's doing it with a little bit more juice than we saw out of Juju last year, I think is also very nice. Uh, but look, it, it, as far as a guy that's kind of playing ahead of his years, it's a good thing here. Uh, this is obviously the touchdown that uh, that CJ was referencing the second one to Jet McKinnon. But important part of this play for Rasheed Rice, he is the quote-unquote clear-out route there to create the natural pick for Jet McKinnon to get out of the backfield and wide open on this play. And he does it effectively. A lot of young receivers are get to this point and be like, oh, well, let me just you know try and grab this guy and make sure his guy doesn't hit him and, and yada, yada, yada. No, he just runs like he's running a normal route and creates that natural pick, doesn't get offensive pass interference, and obviously creates the Jet McKinnon touchdown. And so even though he wasn't able uh, to, to show out himself and, and create those two touchdowns because he got just that close, he did help out and get them into the end zone when it mattered most. Um, so shout out to, to Rasheed Rice here. Um, I think uh, we're, we're going to – we can circle back to Shamar Connor as well as other rookies are concerned. Um, we we do have to talk a little bit about this offensive line and specifically Jawan Taylor's situation. Um, so <laughs> I will I will uh, tap in uh, tap into my country back here. Um, these are my thoughts and my thoughts alone. These do not reflect CJ or DG or anybody else who came to cast thoughts. Uh, what the NFL is doing to Jawan Taylor is a, a a joke and a travesty at this current moment in time. And I, I've done this, and you probably might be if you do follow me on Twitter. What's up, Tibone? Some of the tweets that I've put out over the last few days about other tackles that are clearly lining up off the line of scrimmage because I'm specifically doing that so that you guys don't think that I'm crazy or anybody else in Chiefs Kingdom is crazy because we see it happening on a consistent basis and only one guy is currently being called for it. Because of Chris Collins and, and Mike Tirico's emphasis on it on Thursday Night Football, it became a big headline. And therefore, that means that the NFL had to put out a memo specifically saying that Juwan Taylor is going to be looked out for it. And yes, they said and other players, but nobody else is being called for it. So that means that only one person is. And Andy Reid, through a source, apparently also put out Prince Taylor Nogo and Donovan Smith to align at a deeper depth than Juwan Taylor was. Just to test out that theory, they didn't get called for it. So here we are about it. And uh, it's unfortunate, and, and it, it's really uh, malpractice uh, because, unfortunately, not only did it take points off the board for the Chiefs, but it also created a little bit of an ankle scare um, that everybody certainly was concerned about. So um, from my perspective, the NFL has has significantly dropped the ball on this, and they need to fix it. They need to fix it one of two ways. Either you need to call it fairly on everybody, or you need to throw it out as you have been to this point. Um, and so – we're back on Sunday Night Football against the Jets in week four. We will certainly be watching. Um, but if I have to go another week in which I watch a whole bunch of national broadcasts and other tackles are lining up deep and Juwan Taylor is getting called for it, I'm going to be pissed. I, I won't lie to you about that. Um, but I, I will also say when these guys are allowed to play football, they're playing great. They're doing a great job of pass protection. Donovan Smith and and, um, and Juwan Taylor, the, the press percentage is around 6%. Both of these guys have done a good job coming in, adjusting to the system, adjusting to Mahomes, which does take a little bit as well. 
they bring the ass to, to pass protect for a longer time as well than they normally have been. And they've done a good job. And that's that's really all you can ask from these guys. We know the interior of the offensive line has played well. So um, and these guys are only going to get more comfortable in the system and playing well. Um, what are your overall thoughts on the offensive line and your thoughts specifically about Jawan Taylor um, as his uh, current refing situation has come out here? I think the NFL is not necessarily giving a clear and direct message. I think after week one, right, it's the first game of the year. Everybody's watching. It's the first game of football since February. So, obviously, everybody's going to be tuned in, whether you're a Chiefs fan, Lions fan or not. So, I know they told Andy and the team what he is or isn't doing. And I know Andy and our old line coach, Andy Heck, corrected him that week. Because we know Andy Reid's a no BS coach. So, I know they corrected it. So, to go into week two and now in week three, and we're going into week four now. So, either you're not sending a direct message clear or you're not holding yourself accountable to that message that you told us. So either he's lining up too deep or you saying he's okay and then you're calling something different on the field. So I don't care what the standard is, and I'm not trying to say it's Juwan's fault. I just want the league to give us a clear answer what he should or shouldn't be doing and then go according to that answer that you've given us. But I don't think they're giving that to us at this moment in time. Um, But aside from that, Juwan Taylor is playing amazing. Pat Mahomes right now has a career low, I think, 24.5 pressure percentage and the lowest he's had since he's been here. Sounds like an upgrade to me from the two tackles we had last year. Always. Pressure rate. Lowest pressure rate. The guard to guard are doing their thing. Joe Tooney. Creed, I think, hasn't given up one pressure all all year. So, all pro Creed, best in the league. All pro Creed. Yeah. You feel me? Shout out to Jason Kelsey. I love Travis, your brother, but Creed's the best in the league. No disrespect. But it's Mm -hmm. not even close. Um, But overall, I think our old line's playing flawlessly, playing amazing. Outside of the penalties and the false starts and the so called lining up too deep thing, that's the really only knock I could really give to this offense. Running the football thing and more so like, Play calling, not necessarily their execution. And when they're called to run the football, I think they're doing that at a high rate as well. But, yeah, I just want to get this issue cleaned up. I'm tired of hearing about it like D-Max said. I don't want to wait all day for Sunday night to hear to watch stupid penalties be called because this O-line is really playing good football. And the numbers are showing it. We're not just saying it on tape to be trying to pump up our own team and be biased. The numbers are backing up these statements as well. So I definitely want to see these guys get their flowers because they're definitely improving on everything we wanted to see them improve on this year so far. All I got to say is when the flag stop flying, the rest of the league be afraid. Very afraid. Because if this is the way this offensive line is going to play for the rest of the year, especially with what we kind of experienced last year, and I said this it kind of in um, preseason, um, we finally got tackles that don't need much chip help. You know, you can kind of leave them, especially you got like a guy like Jawan, you can kind of leave them on an island and they can handle their own. Um, and I, if that's going to happen for the rest of the year and the flags aren't going to fly, be afraid because Mahomes and, and this offense is going to torch a lot of defenses in this league. You know, uh, Jack still has to get a little chip in there every now and then. He had a good yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, you know. He had that, a good one where he knocked dude personal body he, got a little, he, he, got a, he got himself a half slap of ribs on that one, he though. He had to get him hey. right here. He got right now, there. And then, like, and then, the now, and then yeah. caught it yeah. after it. Yeah, man. You know Jack got to give him a chip in there. But, look, the thing about it is, and Donovan Smith is allowing more pressures than Jawan Taylor at this time. But, Ultimately, and we saw this week one, Juwan Taylor against Aiden Hutchinson was essentially shutting him down for like one, and except maybe one or two snaps. And that's exactly what you want from a guy that you're paying as much as Juwan Taylor. But that's the idea behind paying that's Juwan. That's what I heard, D-Mac. I heard he was getting cooked. That's, <laughs> no. that's what people two, was telling two me. Two plays mean you get cooked. I was, that was people not watching He was watching game. two different games, man. Apparently. So. No, there's only two plays in the game, DG. You ain't know. They don't <laughs> that's, play that's Aiden. That's the point. <laughs> Juwan Taylor can be left on the island. 
And now Donovan Smith, if you do need to help, you can give him that help occasionally, but he's still fine over there. And that that coming from a time in which you had to hold both of your tackles last year, now you can design games, get design things around that effectively and really give help where it's needed rather than you know absolutely being desperation and having to use more six or seventy even seven man protection schemes. And that's the important part because Andy Reid likes to get all five out when he certainly can, to say the least. Um <laughs> and, and I also say, CJ, to your point, it, it's a very good point. The execution in the run game is not the problem. If you're calling the plays correctly, they will do it. And again, I, I said this after week three, or I said this after week two, they know what runs work. They just are doing their, you know, experimental early in the season thing, so they're not going to get to them. And we just got to get through this period where Andy Reid and Matt Nagy are just going to be like, we're going to run outside zone because we, we feel like running outside zone. Stop doing it's, it, Clyde. It's, it's, it's annoying. I wish we didn't have to do it, but they're going to do it anyway, so we got to go through it. But I know that when they know we got to have it, they will go to the proper run scheme. And that's that's ultimately the production. So going into week four, I will ask this, you know, from you guys. It, what do you want to see most as we go into this week four game against the Jets? Obviously a very good defense, uh, a struggling offense, especially with their quarterback as of right now. What do you guys want to see happen um, in one aspect of the team's performance uh, carrying over from week three? Definitely keep Pat's jersey clean. This is a very good D-line group. Probably the best one we'll probably see um, arguably this year. It's a very deep group. Quentin Williams, obviously, is an all-pro, one of the best in football. Uh, they got a lot of guys on that side of the ball that can make plays. Solomon Thomas, Carl Lawson. Um, who else did they draft this year? Um, uh, the uh, uh, McDonald from uh, Iowa State. Will, Will, Will McDonald. They got uh, Jefferson over there, too. So they got a lot of guys that can get to the quarterback and make plays. So uh, it's a good secondary with Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. Obviously, you know, C.J. Mobley's man in the middle. So they got some players over there. And I know they're, they're a team that's kind of unraveling right now. They're kind of pissed off, and they're trying to figure out a way to make plays and trying to figure out a way to keep their team confidence up. So this is a team when you come in and try to take the game away from them early. So when you get a score early, get a turnover early, kind of take their heart out of the game. They already know they're going to be juiced up because it's Sunday night, but kind of bring back that kind of weary feeling when they saw Aaron Rodgers go down and we won versus Buffalo. When a team gets on top of them and you get down early, you know that offense is not capable of coming back. That's just that's just the truth of the matter and the reality we live in now. So I want to see us start fast, give it a lead, play hard. And this defense, I want to start a trend of us getting a turnover every week. We're two weeks into this, three weeks into it now. So I want to see us get one turnover every week. I prefer it to be a pick to DG, like DG said earlier. But if we're getting a fumble and a scuba score in any kind of way we can, if we start building those good habits, it's going to carry on to the playoffs. And that's something we want to see this defense take that next step in the next evolution of doing it. So, yeah, I just want to see us start start fast, give early. Don't give this team any hope. Don't let them stay around in the game. Don't BS it. You know the Swifties are going to be in the building. Taylor Swift announced she'll be at the game. So I don't know if that's our good luck charm. I don't know if she's helping us play hard or whatever. But start fast, start physical, and just do what you're supposed to do. Because this team really should. They got us at a nine-and-a-half spread right now. They really shouldn't be in the game with us by halftime, respectfully. So I just want to go in there and play fast, honestly. Yeah, I, I think it's just the same message as last week. Go handle your business. This is a team that um, you should you should beat and beat pretty good. Um, Zach Wilson, I know things are kind of different when not having Aaron Rodgers and Zach Wilson hasn't had the same success uh, that Aaron Rodgers could probably have. So go out there and, and handle your business. Um, the main thing, one of the main things I would love to see is get out of this game injury free. Please, please, because we, we know this is a, a especially a stadium, a field where some things have have happened. It's, it's, I think CJ said in the space earlier is kind of like a graveyard up there. 
Right. You know, but but just just be able to to get out of this game injury free. Be smart. Um, if you got to go down, go down. Don't try to fight for an extra yard or or whatever. And then um, the main thing is just take care of the ball. Um, like like last week, no turnovers, no silly silly turnovers or anything like that. As long as I think they do that, I I think the Chiefs should win this game pretty comfortably. Um, but go go dominate. Go go be the team that we we know that you can be, and uh, go dominate another. Uh, I I hate to say it, go dominate another bad team. Mm-hmm. Make a bad team look bad. I'm sorry, you know. Absolutely. You know and, and look, I, I think that coming off of last week, the way that you imp- approached that team that uh, did not have a good offensive line, that had a, a bad, but in this case, a little bit more just bad quarterback. But Justin Fields was more mm-hmm. so a struggle quarterback with <laughs> you got to attack them you got to put it on the early i want to see multiple turnovers from this defense because this is how bad the matchup is there's a quarterback that likes to hold the ball that likes to not see where he needs to be throwing the ball and usually likes to give it away to the other team take advantage take advantage of that and continue to put your stamp on it and dominate that team that's the most important thing that needs to be done as long as you're able to do that things will work out just fine because i think this offense is going to be able to score points but I want to continue to see them stay on time and on schedule as far as this offense is concerned. Avoid the negative penalties as much as possible. You know, Juwan Taylor aside, you know, anything that is out of your control as far as that's concerned, make sure you stop putting yourself in the negative situations that we saw the first and second weeks that kind of made for an uneven performance as far as offense is concerned. Stay ahead of the sticks. If you get to 20 points and you're taking the ball away from them, they're not going to catch up. Their, their offense just simply can't. Take care of the ball. Stay on time. Stay on schedule. You'll be fine. Get out there and dominate the team. And like DJ said, this is a scary. This is a scary place to play. So hopefully, no injuries as we come out of this. Oh, down. Get down, please. Yes. Please. We also have the the Wednesday injury report. Um, a few guys were limited. Chris Jones, Kadarius Tony, Chris Jones with a groin injury. He had limited snaps on Sunday. Continue to watch that as we go throughout the week. Kadarius Tony with his turf toe, um, kind of, you know, a little bit injury. We'll see what exactly progresses as far as he's concerned. Also limited snaps. Um, hopefully we see those guys work back in. Nick Bolden with the ankle did not practice again today. Um, Drew Tranquil equipped himself exceptionally well from the Mike linebacker position last week as far as I'm concerned. Like I said, when, you know, we saw Nick kind of go out with the Jaguars and, and, you know, obviously see him not necessarily practice all last week. I was like, it's okay if Nick sits. I feel work over with Drew, and that's perfectly fine as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then also we had, uh, I believe, Noah Gray with a little bit of illness. Hopefully we'll see him back as well practicing. Um, but, yeah, so as far as week four with the Justice concerned. Um, so we'll, we'll get here to a little bit of our look around the league because – this was a, a little bit of a fun exercise I wanted to start here just to, to wrap up the show a little bit and uh, make sure we're keeping tabs on the rest of the National Football League as we go through. Um, so power rankings, uh, you know, everybody's favorite thing to do after a week wraps up. Um, so I, I'll, I'll be keeping track and we'll send this out as a graphic later on as well. But guys, I mean, who's your number one team in the league right now? We'll see if we can uh, come to a consensus here. I personally would, would be nominating... I know other people are going to look at one team. I would be nominating the San Francisco 49ers personally at number one. That's what I got to. I'll go Niners. Yeah, I think the Niners are probably the most complete team right now. Um, it's, it's obvious. Defense side of the ball, offense side of the ball. So, yeah, I would, I would definitely pick them and put them at the top. Okay, good, because this is on that one. I think 
as we sit here today, we kind of have to give a little bit of credit here for the Miami Dolphins uh, putting up 70 points against uh, that team from Denver. That is a dumpster fire at this current moment in time. Donkey. It is it is very difficult to uh, put up 70 points in a regulation football game. Like, it's not been done since 1966. Um, and, and they decided to lose by 50 while doing it. Uh, just uh, a spectacular dumpster fire right there by the Broncos. Uh, I assume we all can kind of agree here for the Miami Dolphins undefeated 3-0 and being uh, the number two team on our uh, power rankings here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah, like the, the, the opponents that they face, though. So I, mm-hmm. I can't knock 70 points, even though it is against the – Yeah, you know. Right. 70 is 70. This but isn't that, college football last time I should. So. That offense definitely looks like it's it's firing. They're off fast, the bro. They're fast. They're, <laughs> they're fast. They're yeah. really fast. So, yeah. That's to say the least. And look, here's the thing. You say you don't like the opponents. Well, they have a really good one coming up here in week four. That's going to be a heck of a game to watch. Miami at Buffalo. Going to be a very interesting test for both of those times, uh, for both of those teams. See where exactly they're at. So now, uh, number three, uh, where do you guys want to land here? We There are a few options. I think I, I would give a, a slight edge here to Philadelphia, still undefeated, maybe not the, as great of a performance as well. But do you guys think the Chiefs should be ahead of Philadelphia as of right now? In my opinion, no. I, I I think Philly, the way they're running the ball right now, especially if that that if they make the playoffs and that that really can translate well in the playoffs. Um, so I I just feel like right now they're they're kind of a, a complete team, kind of like the Niners as well too. I think that offense, the passing game for them is kind of. Struggling, yeah. Uh, AJ Brown with some drops, so like, but it's to me, it's it's stuff kind of like what the Chiefs are kind of going through too. It's all fixable. It's all things that that they can get corrected. So um, I like what the Eagles are doing right now. I think they're they're dominating, especially in the run game too. That that QB sneak is unstoppable. <laughs> the ninety two percent. No, I get Philly. I get Philly to nod at three. Um, they've had a couple of games where they turned the ball over multiple times. Um, comparable to us, but they still find a way to win. So I'll give them the edge because of that. But um, I think when it's all said and done, I think the numbers of the division will be flipped. But for now, I'm going to give them credit for winning games even when they don't play their best ball. Their offense hasn't been as crisp as they wanted it to be, like DG said, compared to us. But they're finding ways to win games. i got to give credit where credit is due. So I'll give Philly at three for being undefeated. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think so as well. And uh, like you guys said, this past past um, past game, I should say, struggling a little bit. Jalen Hurts not exactly showing out of the middle like I I would like to see to this point. We'll see exactly how they're able to uh, to start off a little bit here. Um, so yeah, four and five. I think this is a very interesting conversation. Uh, two two one teams, AFC powers that we've seen over the past few years. Obviously, Chiefs uh, multiple times uh, besting the Bills when it mattered most. Uh, Chiefs wins over the Jaguars, wins over the Bears, Bills wins over the Commanders, wins over uh, the Raiders last year, last week, I should say. Pretty dominating wins in both circumstances. Where do you guys fall as far as Chiefs versus Bills? Which team do you feel deserves the number four spot going into week four? I think we're four. I mean, obviously, we both have a loss that neither team would want, obviously. But to lose a game on you know Monday night and the other team's best quarterback is not on the field, and you had no business letting that team even be in the game in the first place, and they turned the ball over four times that night. 
we've struggled on offense. We've never been that bad the way that Buffalo Bills played week one versus the Jets. So I'm definitely going to give us the four spot and put Buffalo at five for sure. And we both kind of had a, a get right game. Theirs will be versus the Raiders, ours versus the Bears. So the only thing that's kind of like the splitting here point would be how the, did we play in both of our losses? And you don't ever want to do that. But for this exercise, our loss was better than their loss, if, if y'all get what I'm saying. So I will put the Chiefs at four and put Bills at five. Yeah, I, I think we're at four. I definitely think we're we're starting to turn the corner. Um, that that first loss to the Lions was kind of opening night, and you know, nerves are running, and banner drops, and you know, you lose by a point or whatever. I, I think the Bills got your second and third best player as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. that too. Um, I think the Bills, for instance, man, losing on a punt return for a touchdown is nasty work. <laughs> So, um, but but obviously they've been able to kind of find the rhythm against you know uh, two you know not so formidable opponents or whatever. I think they they definitely got the luxury of playing Sam Howell last week and uh, torturing <laughs> yeah torturing him or whatever. So I, I I definitely would like to see them you know against a more formidable opponent like Miami this weekend and see what they can they can do before I would put them before us. So. I think Chiefs four, Bills five. Yeah, I think that's fair. Look, this is going to be a fascinating test uh, for both sides. Obviously, Miami's kind of in, obviously dominated, been able to beat the, the Patriots fairly easily, took care of business week one. This is going to be fascinating to see what type of things the Bills try to do to get after that Miami defense, uh, especially if they can get Don Kincaid a little bit more involved. He's, he's had the snap percentage, but hasn't had the target share to this point. So we'll see exactly how much he gets used. And if they can find some answers to what has been a, a diabolical scheme by Mike McDaniel to this point. I mean, I, he's, he's got Tyreek Hill lined up at tight end and then doing speed out motions. He didn't have Jalen Waddle out there. But uh, Devin and Mostert absolutely were terrorizing on the ground to the to the Denver Broncos uh, last week, to say the least, and, and to the tune of 350 rushing yards. That's disgusting. That is, that is some high school football-ish, if I've ever seen it. That is... Mostert and Forrest. I mean, look, I, I started Mostert, and he wasn't even the best Dolphins right. running back. Started, but I was still happy I started him because he had a great game. It was, it was something to watch, man. I was just, I just kept watching school. I'm like, oh, my God, just keep going up. And you look 70 to 20, and it could have been worse. They spared him at the end. Oh, man. Actually, this is going to be a really quick question. Because, uh, DG, I don't think we've ever had a conversation. Did you play football in high school at, at – uh, at all, uh, so I uh, know I only played at the at the Pop Warner level. I played high school basketball and college basketball. So. Okay, see, I was, I was a baseball guy, so that's fine. So CJ, I mean, the, I we're all competitors here, though. At that point, do you feel like they them taking it easy on you is just feels like pity? Like that feels worse than if they had actually gone for it and tried. Like them taking their foot on the gas there is just like, oh, I would. Like, where I, are we? I was at Arrowhead watching that game in the parking lot with Chuck, and I was like. I saw somebody on my timeline say mercy rule in Miami, and I thought they were, like, joking. And I'm like, what do you mean by mercy rule? And I'm trying to look up the score because it was loading really slow, and I saw 60. I was like, this got to be a typo. There's no way they have 60 points in a football game. Like, it has to be, like, maybe 36 and not, like, 63. I was like, they just put it in wrong. And then as we went to the ESPN app, and I'm like, what the – how do you even get 60 points? And I'm looking at the strategy like DG said, and I saw 200 yards, 200 yards. I'm like, you let two people run for 200 yards, and the game's not even over yet. I'm like, okay, now this is getting disgusting. So – I know it's hot in Miami, so I'm like, I'm not trying to excuse the Broncos of anything. And this was a top defense last year. I don't get how you were 
a team that averaged – they only gave up 60 points a game last year. And I think on average they're giving up, I think, a league high, which is like I think since 1977. I saw the stat this morning. They're giving up 7.8 yards per play, which I think is one of the lowest, if not the lowest in NFL history, or like like most yards given up. So for that same defense – and I know they lost Bradley Chubb and Vic Vangio, which are two pieces, but the foundation is still there. For that foundation, that defense will still be here for you to give up that many yards and this many points. We're only in week three, and you're supposed to be held accountable with Sean Payton. It's not looking too good in Denver. And it, I, from a football player standpoint, because I played in college, I was, I was blessed enough to play after college. I've never seen people in the NFL get put up on 70 like that. Not going nah, I've seen never. 50. I've seen no. teams touch like 60. <laughs> 70 is literally like some college, like D-Max said, high school type stuff. Yeah. I've never seen that in the NFL game, especially that early was, on in the season, too. That was like IMG versus uh, what, what was this? Bishop Sycamore. Bishop Sycamore, exactly. That was, that was nasty. No, I was watching the game on um, – I was watching Red Zone because all those games are on before our game obviously came on. And Red Zone couldn't even turn away from their game because every time you looked up, they were back in the red, in the red zone. zone. Yep. It turned so, to the Dolphin Red Zone. So, like, even uh, – I forget. I think his name was – was it Scott Hansen who hosts every time he's like, well, Dolphins are back in the red zone once again. <laughs> so it was just – it was getting crazy. After a while, 70 points, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that should never happen. I don't know whether to laugh hysterically or feel yeah, bad for the Dolphins. Obviously, yeah, something in Denver, they, like CJ said, with Sean Payton and, and that, that chemistry with, with Denver is not working right now. And, That's bad. Which I like think we, a lot of people kind of – we, we saw the uh, Dolphins alignment uh, bowls in the locker room. He uh, he looked uh, extremely fed up. Uh, with so defeated. He was like – all yeah, I've done is lose. Boy, look, man. All, all I've done is lose. They had like, I would love to feel bad for him, but no, nah, I don't feel like nah. that. <laughs> look, here's the thing. I, it is what it is. It, everybody was like, oh, yeah, everybody, you know. <laughs> so, man. <laughs> what <laughs> up, Swifty? Um, nobody's told a lie. It's tell the truth. It, nah, we don't tell no lies around here. We, we tell the truth. Lies we have. Come on, Chuck. Stop that <laughs> uh, no, look, it, 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 it's crazy to think about because that, all the talk this song is like, Sean Payton's going to reinvigorate Russell Wilson, that the team is going to be out of count I'm like, look, y'all are not looking at this from a, a pure football standpoint. Everett was a really good defensive coordinator, even after Vic Fangio moved on, even after they traded uh, Bradley Chubb um, in, in the middle of last season, they still were a good defense down the stretch. Exactly. But this year, they've swapped out for Vance Joseph, who does not run the same scheme, isn't as good of a defensive coordinator as Evero, and they suffer significantly um, you know, from it. And I think people completely overlooked that as they were trying to project the Broncos <laughs> going forward into this season. And, and obviously, they suffered forward to the tune of 70 points last week. Um, so, yeah, so that's the top five for right now. So as we get into it a little bit more, I think it's about three teams kind of in this next mix. Um, Cowboys, Ravens, Browns here. Cowboys obviously suffering the, the loss here at the first loss of their season to Arizona Cardinals um, going in as double-digit favorites ended up losing by double digits um, and absolutely got gassed a, a, on the run game. I mean, the Cardinals and James Conner were just killing them on the ground. Throughout. Um, the Ravens lost a, a close game against the Colts, a little bit of controversial non-PI call in that game, still going to overtime versus Gardner Minshew. Obviously not a game that they – um, we'd say that they should have even been close in as far as that's concerned. <laughs> no, we know, Chuck. We know. Um, and, and so 
that team and the Browns, uh, a team that we've seen play very well. That the defense is playing at an extremely high level to this point. Uh, you, you've seen Jim Call or Jim Caller, Jim Schwartz really show up with that defensive line, and we'll certainly see how they continue to progress. Unfortunately, they did lose uh, Nick Chubb versus the Steelers in that game, but they went out and dominated the Titans all the same. So where do you guys feel as far as these next group of teams? How should they be ordered? Ravens, Browns, and Cowboys. I would go Browns, Ravens, Cowboys. The Cowboys would probably be at the top of that group before last week, but losing to the Cardinals on the road, that's a bad football team who's trying to lose on purpose. And for them to not have Buda Baker on the field, who else is their only other playmaker on defense? For them to struggle in the red zone and Dak through that awful, I mean awful interception to end the game. So the Browns are probably out of those three have, have had the best win so far. They beat the Bengals. Granted, Joe Burrow was hurt. Um, losing their best player, Nick Chubb, which definitely sucks. There's no out there still find a way to battle in that game, but you lose to the Steelers. But they bounce back. And like D-Max said, found a way to get a win against a tough physical football team in Tennessee. Out of those three teams, I would think Cleveland gets the nod for me as being the best one out of that group. And then Dallas having the worst loss will put them at third. So, yeah, I would go Cleveland, Baltimore, Dallas in that uh, six, seven, eight form. Yeah, um, I think the the Browns, especially this year, that defense is scary. There's some serious. And Miles Miles Garrett is obviously making his case for Defensive Player of the Year, Absolutely. Um, especially out there doing crossovers. And they got the best set of corners in the league, the best <laughs> yeah. set of corners for sure. Yeah, very yeah. too. Yeah. Is playing very well, especially having Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward is a special player in his own right. Oh. Um, but I I think as long as uh. I know losing, losing Nick Chubb is, is going to be kind of a factor for them, uh, but I think if Deshaun can kind of manage, you know, that team and, and and do some of the same things that he was able to do in Houston, which we we seen there's some times where you see some flashes of that guy coming mm-hmm. back. I, I think uh, it's, it's taking a little bit of time for him to get back acclimated with the league. I don't think a lot of people realize, like, being out of the game for so long – it it's a tough road to to get back and the game is is changing and moving every day um you know so i think that's just a, a really tough adjustment uh ravens i feel like just a kind of a tough loss to a really scrappy team uh colts are colts are always going to be scrappy um especially <laughs> all right uh cowboys to me yeah that that loss to the cardinals yeah that's that's not a pretty sight um, that's a team that you you really should have went and probably handled your your business against. Uh, I know a lot of their fans were discussing that the penalties were, you know, were up there and 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 that's something that they can get corrected or whatever. I still feel like the Cowboys can be a competitive and possibly a contender this year as well if they can get some things corrected. But yeah, losing to to that Cardinals team is, when they're tanking, not a good sight. So yeah, you definitely definitely deserve to probably be put. Eight. Yeah, that's it, it's tough. And look, I, I will certainly say to the King Queens podcast, shout out to them being in the chat. Um, that the Cardinals really played hard. I mean, I gotta give Jonathan credit credit. I mean, to this point, he has had them playing extremely hard and, and for a head coach of a team that's lacking talent like they mm-hmm. are, that's an impressive thing for him. To you pull. definitely gotta have to earn your win against them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely got you. And you gotta give him credit for that. <laughs> No, that that's just the YouTube channel, baby. In the comments. <laughs> oh man, I love Maddie. Uh, but yeah, no. It, and look, ultimately, 
I think you guys got it right there. The Browns have been extremely impressive, especially with their defense. And I thought it was a put up or shut up game with Deshaun Watson because I was I was coming into this game. But you lost Nick Chubb. The Titans have a really good run defense. You were going to have to win this game with your arm. And that's exactly what he's able to do. Had an incredibly efficient game. I think it was 289, two touchdowns. Exactly what you expected Deshaun Watson to do out there when asked to do it. Uh, looked a little bit like his old self. The Ravens came in. Obviously a tough game that you end up dropping to Gardner Minshew. I think it's fair you drop down a few spots. Cowboys lost to, to the Cardinals. You got to drop them down a few spots as well. So, look, I want to do this with a little bit of a twist. So uh, there's an ESPN article that normally comes out called the, the bottom five teams or whatever every single week. And I think it's a little bit of a fun twist on power rankings. Um, so the nine spot here, we're going to go ahead and just leave it up to a few teams. Uh, you guys can kind of, you know, nominate a team as you feel, uh, you know, Lions, Packers, Seahawks, Saints, Steelers, Colts, a, a team that's leading the AFC South right now, or the Buccaneers, obviously, that suffered their first loss. Either one of those teams that you feel would feel great about the nine spot, and then I'll give you guys who the special 10 spot is going to be for this week. Ooh, that's interesting. Hmm. I like the Colts. I like, I, was about to say, I like the Colts. They got two good wins. They went on the road. Yeah, they're man. Like, they're, going to get on the road and win in Baltimore? You beat Trevor Lawrence and beat Lamar Jackson once with Gardner Minshew? Yeah. yeah. I may have to give the nod to the Colts. I'm not going to lie. That's a that's a, that's a good little two-week stretch right there. Yeah. I, I was going to, like, low-key kind of think Seattle, but they lost to the Rams, which isn't a bad loss, but I thought they should have won that game. But, um, yeah, the Colts are playing really good ball right now. And to not have AR and a team that's not necessarily the most talented football team, but overall – they're finding ways to win games. Um, shout out to Shane Steichen, man. He's finding out a way to win football games. I got to give him his credit. Those are two big wins on the road. Two games I respectfully thought they would have lost. So, <laughs> and for them to win both of those games and to not have their starting quarterback and obviously have their best player, Jonathan Taylor, who hasn't played a snap for them this year. For them to be 2-1 and one, sitting on top of the division, like D-Max said, that was not on my bingo card. So, if I had to pick a team out of that little group we just mentioned, I'm going to give it to the Colts for sure. Got to give them a cloud. Okay. Yeah, they're a scrappy team. I think they're going to be one of those teams that they necessarily may not have the weapons and, and the guys to, to kind of go up against those other, um, you know, those other contenders. But but they're going to be a tough out, um, especially with having AR and his 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 growth. AR, Anthony Richardson, man. Anthony Richardson. Man. <laughs> Anthony Richardson man. Uh, but, yeah, getting being able to get him back and, and what Sykin has been able to do with that team and having them 2-1, and going into a tough environment like Baltimore and, and pulling out a win is very impressive. And I, I think they're going to – they could possibly be one of those wild card teams that you might not want to see on wild card weekend. If really? John Taylor comes back, we could be having a different conversation. <laughs> I don't know when he plays or they trade him or not, but if you add him to what they're doing now, could look yeah. good. That defense is playing extremely well with Leonard in the middle, and obviously Buckley boys up the defensive line playing exceptionally well. Got to give him a lot of credit. And, again, went on the road without Anthony Richardson, a guy that the offense has been built around to this point, um, and played a very good game. So I'm perfectly fine with nominating the number nine. Uh, but so the 10 spot, I, I kind of want to make it a weekly kind of shout-out thing. You know, obviously there will probably be better teams that could possibly take over this spot. But for me, I want to give a shout out to the Houston Texans. Uh, this is a team that came into this year, obviously made huge draft picks with CJ Stroud and Will Anderson. Both of those guys are playing at extremely high levels. I mean, I've been blown away by what CJ Stroud has kind of shown to this point. Um, no Derek Stingley this week. Still were able to go out there and put it on a Jaguars team that obviously a lot of people have had high, high expectations for, including myself, and really showed out during that game. 
Um, so I got to give them a shout out and with Tank Dell. Um, and they played very well as well. So you guys, any thoughts that you have on the Houston Texans this week? A little bit of surprise win uh, against Jacksonville. Houston playing good ball. I would like to personally thank CJ Stroud and Tank Dell for winning my fantasy game last week. Uh, AR, I I have Anthony Richardson as my quarterback, and he was down, and I picked up CJ Stroud in free agency, and I also got Tank Dell, and they balled. So thank you guys for going out there and putting up a good performance. I think CJ is, um, man, hasn't thrown a pick in how many attempts now or whatever. I think he's he's really come in the league and shown that he can he can play this game at a high level. I know there's there's going to be some growing pains um, eventually coming or whatever, but he's definitely shown that that he has the poise and the, uh, the presence to play in this league. And I I think Tang Dell is definitely a weapon that a lot of people slept on in in the draft um so they, they definitely got some chemistry going there uh hopefully they can continue that success i like what the texans are doing right now shout out to D'Amico. no shout out to Miko for sure to go into a game on the road versus the baltimore ravens was a very explosive team with a lot of explosive players that no stingley no Jalen petrie to go out there without your two best dbs and they went out there and played very well and kept that offense and i know it was raining there's a lot of weather on the east coast this past weekend so kind of take it with a grain of salt but overall they gave Lamar a lot of confusing looks and made him make him make some mistakes and didn't really let their run game get going too much so to be on a road without two of your starters and not have um the, like I think who was it Titus Howard's out there right tackle Laramie Tunsil didn't play this past oh game. yeah their offensive line has been decimated which oh, has been yeah. impressive for them yeah CJ's that's still playing well that's like, what I'm saying like old line's missing starters your secondary's missing starters you're going on the road against a team that we expect, or most people think, they're going to be playing us in the AFC Championship game, correct? Well, they they, they, said they went, they played the Jaguars in the one. Oh, so the Jaguars first, and then they went on, obviously, to play them. So, yeah, um, yeah. but now for the Texans to go on the road and obviously play that well, and it's funny, I think I saw the stat. I think they've won the last is it five five games on the road in Jacksonville. I think they've won those. Yeah, yeah, I'm not mistaken. yeah. So they yeah. played the Jaguars really well in Jacksonville, which is very odd to see because they had so many good teams, even back to the. Jalen Ramsey, Clayus Campbell days. Um, yeah. Then they're going to the road and CJ Stroud to be the – everybody mostly thought Bryce Young was going to be the best quarterback in this class, and it's probably too early to say so because Bryce has only played so many games. But CJ Stroud has definitely exceeded his expectations for me to go out there and obviously to get a connection with Nico Collins early and take the other DG's point. Um, and they really haven't even featured Damian Pierce too much in this offense, who I expected to take a big jump this year. But being more of a pass-heavy offense compared to being run-heavy last year to their quarterback play, also a difference as well, but um, no, CJ Stroud definitely deserves his flowers. Struggling online, defense isn't really necessarily having their most healthiest season start so far. But for them to go out there and, like you said, not turn the ball over, which is usually what's common for rookies, I got to give CJ his, his credit for sure. And he has my name too. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Shout out to Stroud, man. Uh, I, and like, no, no surprise uh, that he's come in and really the, been, as I thought, the the highest floor type of prospect as far as the big three quarterbacks were concerned. Um, and you just see it's just incredible poise within the pocket. He's so comfortable, even though this chaos coming around him, he's having to slide step a little bit, move out of the way of some pressure because, again, that offensive line has suffered a lot of injuries to start this season. And you just see him calmly delivering the football where it needs to go. Um, and, and they're running that kind of diner system that came over from San Francisco with Domingo and the offensive coordinator well. And it's how it's it's really worked out at a high level, and I, and I got to give him a shout out for that. Shout out to Tank Dell as well. <laughs> shout out to Tank Dell as well. Um, and he's played very well, certainly coming in 
fitting a little bit with, with Robert Woods, you know, Bobby Trees being a little bit of that uh, veteran presence in that locker room. And that defense is flying around. You got to give D'Amico credit for coordinating that that high level of defense. And uh, I think it's all centered around Will Anderson, who so far to this point has been worth um, that high of a draft pick and lived up to the draft hype. Shout out to him. Uh, but, yeah, there we are. I mean, right around the hour mark. Appreciate everybody for coming in. Glad we were able to get this first part of the power ranks are concerned. And uh, going into week four at the Jets for the Chiefs coming in, man. Uh, we'll see what Manny has to say. <laughs> hey, Rasheed Rice is showing out, man. He's got the highest yards per route run, you know, as far as, uh, you know, uh, rookies are concerned, man. Uh, you got to give Rasheed Rice his credit, dog. Come on, um, Manny. Give me on Rasheed. <laughs> anything you guys want to uh, talk about before we go ahead and get on out of here, man? To Manny's question, yes, I still believe in Trevor Lawrence. I think that they can turn it around this week. I think they got a good good chance of turning it around in London this week against the Falcons. So, oh, yes, they stay uh, home out there. Right? They got a back to back out there, right? Too, so yeah, that's, that's crazy, crazy, man. Two games in London is crazy, but yeah, uh, they definitely think the Jazz can turn it around. Um, teams always kind of you see even from the Chiefs, teams kind of tend to start slow. Or whatever, so they'll 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 figure it out. Doug Peterson and them will get it turned around. My biggest point: I just want to stay healthy this week. Obviously, we know how much of a, a death zone that MetLife is with all the boneyards they've had out there. So just to see guys leave the stadium, no major injuries, no career-ending anything. See guys going there, play a good game, play clean. Hopefully, no stupid penalties. Even though I'm not going to hold my breath, um, I just want to go in there, play a good football, dominate, get to win, and we can go home. And then we're on to Minnesota after this. So that's the only thing I'm worried about. So. <laughs> Yeah, I certainly feel it. And look, uh, it, you're absolutely right. And I also still do believe in Trevor Lawrence. Uh, the the kid has a lot of talent. I'm I'm not going to give up on him. And also, he's played fairly well to start this year. Like, there's been a little bit. I think he leads in EPA per uh, play dropped as far as uh, passes the wide receivers have kind of given up on uh, to this point. So I, I think we're we're going to be okay as far as Trevor Lawrence progressing uh, and still being able to live up to some of that draft type. But Look, week four has a, a few really good games for us to, to look forward here. Obviously, Dolphins and Bills, who we named Ravens at Browns, who obviously checked in here at six and seven on our power rate because it's going to be a fascinating game to watch. Falcons and Jags to start off the, the early 9.30 a.m. start uh, is going to be certainly interesting over there in London. I think Thursday night game, London uh, Lions versus Packers, another pretty good game. Uh, we got a one and two matchup AFC teams, Bengals and Titans. That's going to be a very interesting game as well. Got some Bucks Saints. Yeah, we got some got some very interesting games here to, to, to check out here in week four. And of course, we'll be uh not wrapping it fully up because of the Monday night game, but at least wrapping up the Sunday slate on Sunday night football in New Jersey, because I always like to, to make that distinction against the Jets, uh, with Taylor Swift in attendance. Swifties, make sure you guys know about you. I'm feeling 22. That's how we're feeling about Trip McDuffie, Mr. Breakout himself, dog. Love to see it. Tell the truth. Appreciate you guys joining me for CJ, for DG. Thank you guys for, for episode one. We'll be back here next week. Right back at it, dog. See y'all later. Peace hey. out.